0: Let's go, girls. I know we've done it before.
1: I'm going to adjust the volume on my headphones.
0: (laughs) We'll do it again.
1: A little Shania. shania Yeah, a little Shania.
0: You got it. That's how good I am at singing, Corey, that Brad got it. Man, I
1: feel like a woman. Yeah, he did. He got it immediately. Man, I feel
0: like a (laughs) woman. High heels and and short skirts. Having a little fun.
1: I don't like it. I don't like it. <laughs> well, man, I feel my like
0: to have doing a, a podcast. Little fun, to have a little podcast.
1: <laughs> uh, who are you, mysterious singing person?
0: <laughs> Rachel Morgan. <laughs>
1: and I'm Corey Kraft. What's <laughs> up, Ding Dongs? It's time for Side Talks, the official podcast of the Sidewalk Film Festival and the Sidewalk Film Center in Cinema, where we talk about movies. And sing Shania Twain songs, and use our fun catchphrases in the intro.
0: Man, um, I feel like a podcast. That's right. Is that is that
1: your catchphrase now? That's it. You, you've adopted a catchphrase. That's
0: it. That's where we're supposed to end this. Okay. Man, I feel like a podcast.
1: <laughs> Get ready for a five-minute fight.
0: Five-minute round one fight. fight. Okay, I tried to distract everybody with some Shania because I know everybody's going to be mad at me again about this one.
1: Only because you're coming in here with a bad opinion on a good movie. Oh, bullshit.
0: Sam, have you seen the film we're arguing about yet? I'm just curious so I'll know what's ahead of me. He has. Okay. Okay. Excellent. I can
1: confirm that Sam has seen it so, and Brad also, has seen it and Van has seen twice. it. Let
0: me tell you something. This oh, is, twice. You must me, have enjoyed it. Shut up, Corey. Th- let me tell you what this is confirming, that there's been co- there's been conversations ahead of time, which is not fair.
1: There has been no there's collusion. There has been There has been no collusion whatsoever.
0: Meddling. meddling.
1: This is... this is, Meddling
0: with the election. This
1: is Trumpian <laughs> uh, in its deflection from the uh, core of the matter, shit. which is you didn't like okay. a good movie.
0: So let's... Brad, could you start the timer now? Nope. Okay. So I, you love Nope. Yes. You've been to see it. You've been to see it twice. Twice. Clearly Brad's been to see it twice. I don't, I'm going to say this. Okay. There are some wonderful things about this film. Yeah. I was really on board with that opening scene uh-huh. where you see this sort of carnage right away from the, the monkey that's, you know, wreaked havoc in the studio, really, really strong. And I was like, I can't wait. Can't wait. Here's my main complaints about Nope. Okay. Number one. It's 40 minutes too long, which is unacceptable. There's a lot of like, I'm riding the horse this way. Now I'm riding the horse that way. I felt it to be very, very tedious at a certain point. And what's a shame about it is there's good content in there. There are so many, you are always upset about these loose ends that don't get tied up in films like Malice, but there's so many like, why did we even do that? That storyline needs to be trimmed. I need a real sharp editor to come in Uh -uh. there and fix this film for me. Nope. In addition to that, and, and I don't take argument with the way it's shot. I don't like the cinematography's fine. All of that, it's like it, it is, it is a it is a very, um, it, it is technically this. Is, there's no complaints here, really. Right. Uh, I'm I'm really upset about the script and the editing, and I'm also get irritated with things like the name of the film. Like you don't watch Pretty in Pink and have somebody say to Molly Ringwald, you look so pretty in pink 15 times. Uh-huh. You don't even need it once. The nope thing I get, like it was funny the first time and I laughed the first time, but it having to say it over and over and over again, I feel like I'm, it's being so dumbed down for me. So that annoyed me as well. Mm-hmm. But more than anything, more than anything, I felt it to be a little too long unnecessarily and really and truly, there are enough skilled folks working on this thing Very, very competent people. Very, very talented folks. There's no reason for this thing to drag on the way it did. I'm shocked that you were able to sit through it twice.
1: I'm shocked that you think it's too long. The tension sustains Mm -mm. itself for the duration of this movie. It's from start to finish just a a tense and thrilling ride. And, and you know, you talk about – Riding a horse back and forth across the screen, but it's <laughs> yeah. what's you know happening in the skies above, which are shot. Less is more, you know, with with this beautiful wide IMAX lens, um, you know, finding you're searching for this um, UFO, this mysterious flying object in the sky. That when it pops up, pops up with the same sort of like terror and fear that you get from like the shark in Jaws.
0: See, but also Spielberg would tell you. Less is more, and I think we see too much UFO. Mm-hmm. I think the UFO is too present. There's too much of the bullshit. I, it really needs to be trimmed down. This this felt to me like a like a test screening cut. Like I, I really thought it was way 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 too much.
1: I, I really disagree with that, I, especially because I think you see just enough of the UFO for the you know first two hours of the movie, uh-huh. and then in the final fifteen minutes, when the UFO takes on a slightly different appearance, m- trying to Talk Uh around spoilers here. Um, I've never seen anything like that in a movie. I've never seen anything like that, especially in a live action movie.
0: And you've seen lots of movies. I'm very shocked that you're saying this. I,
1: I do feel that it's innovative conceptually and visually, but also, you know, it has that that sort of slightly shaggy, sure, but you know, askew Jordan Peele thing that characterized Get Out and Us, both also excellent movies. You know, where yeah, it's a little shaggy and yeah, maybe things don't you know, you can't dot every I and cross every T plot wise, but thematically I find this thing super rich. You oh, know, I, think the- it's, I
0: think it's so I think it's so theme on its sleeve. I think it's so theme on the surface. Yeah, but
1: there are like Four or five different yeah, things to chew give on a little, here. Give
0: a little thing to subtext. Like it hits that over. It hits everything over the head six times because I think it underestimates its audience. I think it. I think it's going for the Hollywood thing. I think it goes. We're, we've got really stupid people coming to see this film, so we're going to just drag everything out. We're going to not mm. put any subtext. We're not going to bury anything. We're going to make everything you know really obvious. Let's talk. Let's talk about these these themes, and we'll stick to them, and we'll make them really really clear, and we'll leave nothing to the imagination whatsoever, including what this UFO looks like. I mean, it's all right there on the screen. I, I hear what you're saying. This. He's I hear, better than this.
1: I hear what you're saying. I disagree. And I think at least in part, I disagree because I've seen pretty much all of the big mm-hmm. summer blockbuster releases. Okay. And the fact that this movie is actually about Something puts it one up on pretty much every other major studio release this year. See,
0: that's and, where we differ.
1: And not only is it about something, but it's about a lot of really interesting ideas. The idea of our modern relationship to technology uh-huh. and using technology as a yep. buffer to sort of process trauma through, sure. you know, capturing as the film does hit a couple times. This word, right spectacle. on the surface, yes. spectacle. Yes. Um, and Jordan
0: Peels better than this. Look at Get Out. Get Out is a Film than this. Get
1: Out is a better film than this. And
0: part of the reason why is because he's just doing this Hollywood thing where he goes, okay, well, Independence Day or any number of other big blockbusters like this drone on for an extra 40 minutes. That must be what people want. So I'm going to do that same thing too. He's better than this. And just because other blockbuster movies don't, you know, just have you know, planes flying in the air doesn't mean it's okay for this one to have just like a tiny little bit more substance. I just I made. don't
1: I don't understand how you could can you know call this just a tiny bit more substance. To me, this is a full course meal of really interesting ideas, really interesting visuals, wonderful performances, a really compelling script and not- some genuinely terrifying moments.
0: Uh, there are a couple of moments that are i wouldn't call them terrifying but it's ho- i'm not the i'm not a good gauge for that because i don't get scared easily but i will say that this is this seems like if you were going to if you were playing a guessing game called what do you think a theme that might be in the in the movies that's relevant today would be you could probably pick this one from the sky
1: um, mm, i just I, I think that's i think that just like the ufo that's that's a reductive argument as far as i'm concerned because it's like you know
0: subtext we're, i like we're, subtext we're in, we're in a
1: famine as you know of substantive studio entertainment and one comes along that I think really, really swings for it. And to say like, well, I, you know, uh, giving me ideas on the surface like that. I don't, I don't want that. I, I just, you know, I don't know. I, this is a feast within a famine of of movies bereft of ideas. you are only
0: it, looking at what's playing at the AMC, sure, but I think we no, know better I, than but that. I'm not. We, we know we know <laughs> that there are a lot of films out there tackling all kinds of really interesting themes and issues and topics. And relevant. and this is
1: one of the better of them mm, in theaters right now, and it released this I year. I Maybe,
0: love it. I disagree. Um, but this isn't a ten minute argument. There's more I could say, but this isn't a ten minute fight. This is a uh, a five minute fight, and so. Sam, you want to...
2: So, I do agree with Rachel. It was way too long um definitely edited up a little bit cut some stuff out lots of filler nope. um nope Corey? nope 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 Um that's the title of the movie <laughs> by the way God. um and, oh,
0: he's, he's he's saying it four times less than they do in the film
2: and yeah i mean them saying nope was a little dumb but it kind of just hit its own point over the over his head but um they do say get out and get out and probably say us and us so i don't know um and yeah the ufo's kind of too present um should be hidden more save the big reveal for, for the finale be more impacting um and the Hoyt van hoitema cinematography makes everything shine looks amazing and it's so insanely detailed with all these easter eggs like a lot of jordan peele movies are um and i do agree with cory that the final form of the ufo is just this kind of spectacle um, pun intended that you haven't really seen before brought um, kind of brought to mind the double at the end of uh, Annihilation. Hell yeah, um, yeah, good movie. <laughs> and this one is so tough. It was a wonderful movie watching experience, but the more I think about it, the less I'm sure that the subtext and the layers and themes all really work together. Um, but yeah, it's I mean it's Jaws in the sky. It rules overall. But it could be a little bit better. I mm. have to side with Rachel here. No. It's neck and neck, oh. but Rachel wins by yes. like a thousand point mark. Sam,
1: Sam, yes. I'm going to rip Shut your face Corey. off like a <laughs> Shut up, Corey. Shut up. Here's the other
0: thing. <laughs> okay, Gordy. Shut up, Gordy. Gordy
2: Craft. That's your new nickname. That's fine.
0: Here's the other thing 50% of the characters in this film are have no connection to actual human beings whatsoever. Like the cinematographer, terrible. Just I, absolutely I, no. terribly drawn. No. Terribly drawn.
1: No. No. What um, world are you living in? Uh the real world. I reject this argument and this result. Do you entirely. know people like that Corey? Um I I'm sitting across from one.
0: <laughs> Do you know people like that, Cory? No, speak it, of like this in the world. No,
1: he's uh-huh. Michael Whitcott with that gravelly voice, and you're like, oh ha oh, ha, oh, this is my impression of the cinematographer character from Nope. That's not what he sounds like. Relax. Come on. You relax. I'm trying. Uh anyway, um, yeah, who won? The result is bullshit, and I will be contesting it uh, by luck. seeing Nope for a third time Gross. on the IMAX screen. Fuck all y'all. I'm going to have <laughs> myself a good old time. That's all I have to say.
0: Heaven forbid Malice not, you know, have any little loose end, but Nope can just, you know, throw them out there like a bunch of damn just string in the breeze. Like a noodle man in the breeze, Corey. Because it. So, the Sidewalk Film Festival is coming up soon. What? Yes, it is. So, we're going to try to to, uh, to get along a little better than we were a few minutes ago and um, talk <laughs> about a couple of films that we are excited about. I'll hit one and you yeah. hit one. And, um, you know, even if you're listening to this after the Sidewalk Film Festival or you don't have the ability to make it to the Sidewalk Film Festival, which I hope that you do this year, um, these films will be out there in the world. Uh, they have a life beyond uh, Sidewalk. And so, the film that I'm talking about is brought to us by um, Showtime. Uh-huh. And it is a film called McEnroe. And as you can probably imagine, it is the documentary that has that shares the perspective and the sort of look back at his life of John McEnroe.
1: So last year at the 2021 Sidewalk Film Festival, and I think it was last year, you programmed a sort of – Different type of tennis documentary, yeah. the French. Uh, the French. That's right, and that that's more of a, a a verite look at the the French Open in nineteen in the early nineteen eighties, right?
0: Nineteen eighties, and it's a really cool film um, that you can't really see elsewhere. We might actually bring it back to Sidewalk because Metrograph is has is restoring that film, yeah, and they let us screen it sort of in a he- very hesitant fashion because they really wanted to complete the restoration before we screened it. But I begged and begged, and we got it, if, if promising that we'd bring it back at some point after yeah. it's restored. And it is glorious, but incredibly observational. I think it's three hours. And so
1: McEnroe is a deep dive on the individual. That's right. Player,
0: and it is. It looks at him current day, reflecting on his life. So yeah. he's very much a part of his film. It's very much his story. It, it it has interviews with his kids, with Patty Smith, with some with very famous tennis players. Sure. That it were his colleagues and uh, admirers and i part of what i love about it is it's incredibly stylish it's really really it's it's sort of bathed in this modern neon but looking back at at the 80s in in a way that would have had some authentic 80s neon kind of vibe and it doesn't shy away from his meltdowns some of which i had never seen (laughs) so watching a grown man lay on the ground in front of a stadium full of people is really something else and it doesn't back away from it. So it really lets you see every moment of that, which oh, that alone is, is worthwhile hearing clearly hearing him reflect on that as well. But there's a lot of really fun stuff and things I didn't realize about McEnroe that, I mean, I'm not the person to necessarily know those things, but it was a lot of fun, not even being a tennis fan to see this film and see him talk about, what it means to be a, to be the sort of best of the best.
1: Cool. Yeah, it sounds cool. I haven't seen it, um, but I like sports documentaries, especially profiles of infamous figures like John McEnroe, who's indisputably talented, but as you say, his on-court antics and, and some of the things he did off-court as well um, made him a bit of a controversial figure.
0: Well, let's so. remember, too, that I think what I don't often consider when you see this sort of buffooning of, of McEnroe's, you know, like when, if you hit on that, like, you know, biggest Brats in sports history, he's going to be on that list. And, and what I didn't realize is he's so freaking young. Yeah. He's he's really, he's in his early twenties at this point. As a matter of fact, when he marries Tatum O'Neill, there, it's like babies having babies. He
1: married Tatum O'Neal.
0: Yeah. I had no idea about that. They have a kid together. What? So. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Very, very pretty couple in the eighties. Sure. And, I, but there are some reflections that i really appreciate i mean I'll, I'll pass it to you because i really go see the film it's it's worth your time but a couple of things It sort of starts out the gate with at the time when he was playing he was the greatest tennis player the great that ever lived really and and in a certain moment, yeah, that that those things are fleeting and they come and go. And there've been people who are great in different ways before you, and certainly people will are going to then strive to beat your record, right? So you're you're not going to remain in that spot for long. But he was at a certain point in time the greatest tennis living tennis player, and he was like that. Didn't I was unhappy, right? He's like it just it didn't that thing did not make me happy, and so a lot of his reflection is on trying to kind of reframe things. And understand what it means as a human being to succeed, what happiness is, what partnership is. Mm -hmm. And the fact that you play tennis alone creates a great deal, I think, of loneliness. But the other thing that was interesting to me was him – he walks you through his thoughts when he's on the field. And he's incredibly good at math. And so he is a person that really kind of looked at the tennis court like a grid. Mm. And had these sort of math equations, almost like playing chess, going through his mind when he was playing. And he's known for, which I didn't realize this either, but I know tennis fans will, is sort of like soft hit. Mm-hmm. Where he's not really looking to, to knock the ball way across the field or court or whatever you want to call it. But I know nothing about sports. But to, you know, sort of land it where he wants to land it in this sort of ca- quadrant system, which sure. was fascinating to me. So anyway, again, I'll stop talking about this film because it is there's so much more to discover in it than what I'm saying, but that that those were some of the takeaways and part of what's kept me kind of contemplating contemplating this film. And it also has it, it has this modern footage of him sort of walking through New York and it it, it just is incredibly s- skillful in its technique. So um, hope everybody will, will catch McEnroe if you can. So what are you, what are you wanting to talk about a little bit today?
1: Well, I wanted to spotlight a documentary that will definitely appeal to fans of documentary features, yeah. especially those uh, many of which we've um, shown at Sidewalk over the years and, and which have gained popularity on other platforms. The movie called Subject, Um, Mm -hmm. And and subject is a documentary film about the subjects of other documentary films, Um, picking up where, you know, the films that made them famous or sometimes infamous left off and examining how the subjects of these these famous and popular films or docuseries have um, fared in the years following these films. Completion and they're they're um, being seen by you know audiences around the world who may only have. A, a an incomplete idea, let's say, yeah. of of who these people are. Um, so, subject is a really, really fascinating film. It delves, of course, as as you would expect, into ideas surrounding documentary ethics, which makes it kind of thematically similar to Nope when you think about it. Oh, just wanted God. to drop that in there Brad, because it's this, a really yeah. good movie. Um, but
0: I think I think just for the sake of right now, let's just make the dick sound effect okay. into the dick Hi, jar. Nope.
1: Um. So, subject uh, picks up with people like uh, one of Michael Peterson's daughters. Michael Peterson, of course, the main subject of The Staircase, which was adapted just this year into an HBO Max fictionalized series.
0: And let's also acknowledge that damn thing. It was a podcast. Yeah. It was a... A
1: docu-series that that Netflix purchased and then did another season of. I mean,
0: it's gotten... This damn fall down the stairs, owl shit is like really gotten a lot of play.
1: Sure. Um, and, and so it, it also follows, uh, Jesse Friedman, the, the son at the center of capturing the Friedman's, the right. really great Andrew Jarecki documentary from 2003. And the, uh, young man who's most, uh, I'd say prominently featured in the wolf pack. Yeah. Um, and, um, the main uh, subject of Hoop Dreams, the wonderful Steve James documentary uh, from 1994. And so this film sort of follows these people, checks back up on them, says, how did your life change after uh, you were featured in these documentaries? Do you feel like the film did right by you? Did it have any sort of measurable impact on on your life? and And it sort of asks these questions while asking broader questions about... Well, you know, we're living in kind of a, a documentary boom, right? Yeah. There's so much docu-content being produced for streaming services, for television, for cinemas, and especially true crime documentaries so popular right now. But I feel like a lot of people don't stop to actually think about the real figures at the center of a lot of these Why cases. Why would
0: you do that? That would disrupt your enjoyment of watching
1: we are you we know, are Tiger
0: Kings and exactly. staircase falls.
1: We we consume this often very salacious um documentary content. Um and, and sometimes don't bother to think about the ethics of it. But what I love about Subject is that it's a film that makes you sit in that yeah. and really think about it. And really think about yeah. your um your media consumption, which is again very similar to Nope, but we don't have to belabor that oh, point. Oh, wow.
0: Well, here's the difference is that it actually provokes thought as opposed to tells you what to think. So part of what I love about this film mm-hmm. is that it, it reminds you, too, of the context, right? Yeah. That when, for example, the young woman of the staircase is being interviewed, she's a young woman initially. Sure. She's, she's a young woman who's who's caught up in all kinds of things and trying to defend her father.
1: And, and as she puts it, you know, this is something I didn't realize. There's... Um, There's a famous interview scene from the movie and – or from the the show, The Staircase. And she recounts the context of what happened during filming that day. She was like, yeah, I look like shit there because I had just – Broken up with my boyfriend right. and driven home, super upset to find this camera crew. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Which isn't the subject of the documentary, no. right? I mean, the, so why would they the, get like, into life it? Life is but still happening to to the people in the film. Exactly. Before, during, and beyond, and it may not be the subject of what they're what they're focusing on. And I, I think the one the image of her sort of now is is much older than what we we remember seeing her uh-huh. as in a lot of the the, the content because there's a lot of content around the staircase. But the image of her being much older and and pulling up her car under the billboard with her father's face on it oh i know that shot alone just is incredibly poignant yeah so i agree i think i also think that sometimes i forget that you know having taught documentary film for many many years and even i don't I, I sort of taught in this in, in, a, in a program for years at the University of Alabama that was solely focused on documentary. But I teach a little bit still, uh, pr- documentary production and, right. and, and ethics and so on and so forth within the context of, of larger classes. And so what I sometimes forget is that the average person on the street doesn't ha- doesn't have this kind of ethical dialogue and conversation around, or really how the way I should word it is, they don't have this dialogue around the ethics of documentary filmmaking in their life.
1: You know, there's, um, let's just, I mean, say it like it is, you know, documentary filmmaking is a style of creative filmmaking, so there are liberties taken. There are, sure. you know, there are certain uh, perspectives and points of view baked into the very text of the film just by the process of selectively editing the footage.
0: Well, and just... By the fact that a camera is present yeah absolutely I mean, people we have different conversations when there's not a microphone in front of our face somewhat we, somewhat yeah um, somewhat we still it, yell
1: at each other over the great film uh, by jordan peele called nope just
0: uh, just think about That's three the, times the, by the, the way we all behave differently when a especially a professional camera is present but even when somebody pulls up their camera on their phone we yeah. all we all t- we all change and it's all about manipulation of of something that's already being presented to us in a way that's not necessarily fully grounded in reality.
1: What I think I love most about Subject is that this isn't a film saying don't go off and 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 never enjoy a documentary again. Yeah, you sure. know what I mean? It's just you know it's it's a it's a feature length sort of attempt to get audiences to think a little bit more critically about how these things are put together, um, who benefits from the creation of them, um, and whether or not sort of the real life misery of many of these subjects is, is, you know, ethically appropriate for broad entertainment.
0: And who and who holds the power and who benefits? Yes. And, I mean, so, and it's incredibly provocative in those ways. And, you know, that's, that's the thing. Visual literacy isn't about removing all content from our faces. That would be impossible. I mean, I pumped gas yesterday, and there's a freaking like 10 commercials while I'm trying to shut off while I'm pumping gas. So we can't remove ourselves from this kind of content, and, and it doesn't mean we shouldn't even seek it out. It just means that when we're watching it, we should always be asking ourselves, who you know? Who has the control? Who has the power? What is the context? And is this is how manipulative is this? Because yeah. out of the gate, it's going to be manipulative to, to, to a certain degree, even observational. Docs or manipulative because just the presence again of a camera yep. is, is a thing, um, and so I think. But I think it does it, and I think it poses those questions in, in, in a less didactic manner and, and in a really interesting way, and also makes you think about these films that you've probably seen at least one, or, you know, or documentaries or, or content really, you've probably seen at least one of these films that's being discussed and
1: and the movie actually i mean it dips into so many other films than the ones we've just mentioned those are the i'd say the four most prominent interview subjects but it's a really comprehensive look at modern documentary filmmaking um and it's you know it's one of my favorite movies in the lineup for that reason because I I, i like all those movies or most of those movies and i think that that sort of a peek behind the curtain is is super fascinating
0: it's cool too because it's illustrative of a point that people who are making documentary films or have been to film school, it, it illustrates some points and I think a great sort of teaching film in that way and, sure. and will be really fulfilling in that way. But it's also a great film for people who, who've never even taken a film class. Yep. So uh, yeah, it's a, I think it's a good wreck.
1: Well, yeah. I hate yep. every ape I see from chimpan A to chimpanzee.
0: He's not gonna let it go.
1: That's a Simpsons quote. I can't you know take what, credit Corey? from that. You know what? Corey? It's from the Planet of the Apes we'll musical just, that Troy McClure I, I, sings in. Let
0: me give you let me tell you how much I don't give a shit.
1: Can we drop I'll, that in I'm here happy, by the way, Brad? I'm happy to, yes. Oh my god. Dr. Zaeus, Dr. Just Zayus. say you
0: won, because I don't care.
1: Dr. Zeus, Dr. Zeus. Dr. Zeus, Dr. Zeus. Doctor Zayas, Doctor Zayas, Doctor Zayas, Doctor Zayas, oh Doctor Zayas, Doctor Zayas, Doctor Zayas. What's wrong with me? That's from the. They do the Doctor Zayas song uh-huh. to rock me amadeus, amadeus in the sentence. Amadeus. It's the best. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, thanks for listening to the Side Talks oh. podcast. I'm not even. I'm not even thinking about. Jordan Peele's amazing film Nope right now as I'm talking about chimpanzees even though as we may have discussed earlier a chimpanzee plays a primary role remember how in we talked about scary McEnroe stuff being nope. a
0: brat this is like your temper tantrum
1: I don't know what you're talking about anyway it's a great movie
0: we're your own personal cinematic Howard Johnson and Chi Chi
1: is Chi-Chi also a monkey?
0: <laughs> oh wow! Probably, I'm sure that there's a monkey somewhere named Chee chi But well, I, I, don't, I don't know what this reference is. Howard Johnson's. This like, might be a little bit before your time.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think I remember Howard Johnson's from like an episode of Mad Men. Well,
0: I can tell you right now <laughs> that it was the largest restaurant chain in the U.S. in the '60s and '70s. Oh they, no!
1: Wait, they go there in uh, the Irishman in there the Scorsese go. film.
0: Its last location, sadly, closed. It was in Lake Lake George, New York. And it closed due to freaking COVID in 2020. It, they were down to one last one, and that and it closed for that reason. Do they
1: do the orange roofs? Yeah, yeah.
0: There was a, actually out on Green Springs a Howard Johnson's hotel, which I'm assuming Whoa. at some point had a Howard Johnson's restaurant there. Yeah. But anyway, um, there were they were they took it for a long time there. For they were the largest until the 70s, and then. You know, trickle off. Um, anyway, but did you know about Cheech? No, I, I thought you it, I about thought it Chi-Chi's. was a
1: monkey. <laughs>
0: oh man, <laughs> Cheese was I think nineteen seventy-five or seventy-three to two thousand and four, so somewhere there in the sort of mid seventies-ish to two thousand and four, and they filed for bankruptcy in two thousand and three. A month later, had the worst hepatitis outbreak in ever in the U.S., and so that bankruptcy, you know, went the way that bankruptcies can sometimes go. I can tell you that my experience of Chi Chi's, which was also on Green Springs Avenue here in Birmingham, Alabama, and uh, there was one right there where there's now a a sort of locally owned Mexican restaurant. And I've been to that Chi Chi's. Uh, A young man in high school asked me if I wanted to go to a Mexican restaurant with him. Mm -hmm. And I went and did, you know, being who I am, I was like, why not just bring 10 of my friends too? So I think he thought we were going on a date. (laughs) But um, we went and it was awkward when the bill came because he was like, well, put ours together, but everybody else's will be, you know, separate. And he – I ordered fried ice cream too. I ordered dessert. So I'm just letting you know that this poor young man – I, I don't know. I, and to make I, was... matters
1: worse, he got hepatitis.
0: <laughs> and then in 2003, he got hep. <laughs> I'm so sorry to young man whose name I don't remember. Um, but anyway, yeah, it was a it was a misguided ask, but also misguided acceptance of an ask. I thought we were going as, you know, like, oh, why not bring the whole crew? Anyway, are you going to be Howard Johnson's or are you going to be chi
1: I You know, it sounds like I want to be... Um...
0: I said fried ice cream. I did say fried, you did ice,
1: say cream. fried ice cream. I did say fried ice cream. I think I'll take Howard Johnson's. Yeah. I like the orange that's roof. Fair.
0: That's fair. Even though, I don't know. I remember Chi-Chi's being kind of good. Yeah. So I'm not I'm not unhappy. Okay. Um, anyway, thank y'all for listening to our podcast. Thank you to Boutwell Studios. Thank you to Revelator Coffee. Thank you to you, Corey, the loser that you are. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Sidewalkfest.com. I'm going to ignore that. Mm -hmm. uh, Or at Sidewalk Film on social media. That's right. It's a good movie. Um, Is uh, where you can find uh, stuff about the Sidewalk Film Festival and what we're playing at the Sidewalk Cinema. Get your tickets and passes now to any and all of those things if you haven't already. Because while we spotlighted two films in the sidewalk lineup. There are like, oh, I don't know, 7,000 more. I know there's actually probably a number like 350 or something, yeah. 250. A something, lot of movies. A lot of movies. A lot of movies hundreds of features and shorts and panels and special events and some really good parties that you're going to want to come to sidewalkfest.com again is where you can get passes so why don't you go ahead and do that and check out jordan peele's nope on a big Uh, screen you know what i'm
0: actually thinking that i would rather i'm now taking it back and i think i'd rather go to howard johnson's First, then watch Nope again, for no sure. No take back But second of all, of all, I think that I'd rather do that than Chi-Chi's because I bet it's more nostalgic. I bet mm. the menu would be more... N- like, I feel like Chi-Chi's would just be like going to... What is that re- a Mexican restaurant the summit? You know what I mean? Like, it's probably the same thing. Chewy's? Chewies. Yeah. Same thing, right? So I'm going to go Howard... Jo- I'm going to be Howard Johnson's. Okay. All right.
1: Okay. Yeah. I'll let, you, I'll let you have it. Um, bye. bye. We don't need to hear
0: anything else about this fucking movie. Nope. Batwell Studios Podcast Division. Your words, are expertise.